You are listening to Beltway Beef, official commentary from the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. My name is Ed Frank. I am NCBA's Senior Director of Policy Communications, and joining us this week is Kent Backus. Kent, of course, is NCBA's Senior Director of International Trade and Market Access. Kent, thanks for joining us. Always happy to be here. All right, well, we find ourselves on the cusp of the legendary August recess. Uh, the House is uh, at a session for basically a month, so I think follow suit next week. Um, but that doesn't mean that uh, we stop working or, or that uh, everything stops uh, for a month. It does slow down in Washington during the August recess. Um, but uh, a lot of members of Congress are going to be home in their home districts uh, over the next uh, five weeks or so. Um, so it's a good chance for folks to talk about uh, the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement, um, which is still pending. Uh, it has not been uh, approved by, by Congress yet. Um, so what is the status of that? What can folks do? What, what should folks tell their members of Congress um, when they see them in the home districts over the next month or so? Well, you know, we were hoping to see the USMCA start to roll before Congress uh, adjourn for the August recess, but that's just not going to happen. The reality is, is that we're looking at at earliest probably a mid-September, October time frame before the process will even start. So let's look at that. I mean, once that process begins, Congress will have 90 work days, 90 congressional days, not calendar days, to actually get this uh, trade agreement over the line. So there's still a lot of pressure now to, to get Congress to actually move because this could potentially push a vote into early next year, which is something we want to avoid. We're hoping that when this moves, it'll go as quickly as possible. The only way that's going to happen is if Congress understands the sense of urgency uh, behind the USMCA. So I think it's important for us that when we see these members of Congress at home, in the districts, at town hall meetings, at all kinds of state fairs and other things that are going to be around, we remind them why we need this agreement. So it continues to allow us to be successful in both Canada and Mexico. It establishes those stronger rules of trade. It, it essentially updates NAFTA, brings it into the 21st century. And it also clears the decks so that we can move forward with other major trade agreements like Japan and some of the other countries. But we're not going to be able to do that until USMCA is passed, until it moves forward. So we've got to get the ball rolling on this. We've got to get this moving. It's got to start in the House. It's got to move to the Senate. But we have to start this in September when they get back. Yeah, and of course, um, the conventional wisdom is uh, you're not going to get much, if anything, done in an election year. Next year, of course, is congressional election year, um, presidential election year, which amps it up even more. Um, so really, you know, people generally think of like the window is going to close basically in the, at the end of this year, which means that you got a couple of months when they get back from the August recess to make something happen on USMCA. Um, now, speaking of the other countries out there uh, that are sort of lined up that we want to make progress on, um, interesting week in the UK um, with uh, Boris Johnson uh, being uh, taking over as the new prime minister. Of course, he is a vocal supporter of Brexit, um, which uh, love it or hate it, um, opens the door to a bilateral agreement, uh, trade agreement with the UK, where we're kind of locked out on, on U.S. beef right now. Talk about what uh, Prime Minister Boris Johnson, uh, how that may impact the prospects for opening up the, the market for U.S. beef. Well, I think, uh, you know, we look at the new leadership in the U.K. It's very much 
a pro-transatlantic uh, relationship. They really want to have stronger ties with the United States. They also want to have a, a stronger British economy, and the best way to do that is to throw off the throw off the chains of the EU and their uh, regulatory burdens, and and embrace you know science-based, rule-based, uh, rule-based, and free market trade. That's definitely something that that we want to encourage. So I, I think uh, the reality is is that once the UK leaves, they will be able to enter into negotiations and trade agreements with the United States, with other countries. And I think that's something they're going to try to do. Uh, but the other reality is that as of October 31st, they're leaving the EU, which means they still have to figure out how, they're going, how their economy is going to function after the fact. So it's, it's an incredibly interesting situation, everything that's happening over there. I think there are going to be opportunities for U.S. beef. I think there's going to be opportunities uh, for other U.S. commodities. And uh, when you look at their economy, they're one of the top uh, top ten economies in the world. Uh, you have a very uh, lucrative uh, economy over there. That that uh, you have a consumer base that's looking for high quality products, just like U.S. beef. And with the limited opportunities, limited exposure we we've had uh, while they've been in the European Union, um, you know we don't really know our full potential yet. But you know we faced other kind of restrictions, uh, other similar uh, burdens like that when we uh, you know, first got access into Japan, when we got access into Korea and other markets. And as consumers have been exposed to U.S. beef and we've been able to earn their trust, we've been able to develop those markets. Japan and Korea are now our top two export markets. We think that the United Kingdom holds a lot of opportunity uh, and until we can get our foot in the door, it's going to be hard to really capitalize on that. But I think with this new leadership, I think that, that, uh, that the chances of us being able to have those meaningful conversations are going to be a lot stronger than they have been in recent years. Right. And uh, we, we sort of saw this play out, uh, you and I, we were over at BBC Radio um, as literally as Boris Johnson was driving up to 10 Downing Street uh, for the transition. So that was interesting. But you weren't there so much to talk about the U.K. market. Um, we were over at BBC, so you could talk about, well, promote U.S. beef, of course. Um, but you were talking about the China. They wanted to know how, uh, what's the status of, you know, the China trade war, tariff battles going on. Um, U.S. negotiators, I guess, are on their way over to China for another round of talks right now that will begin next week. Uh, what's the latest on China? Because that's obviously the, the biggest market uh, potentially out there uh, at the moment. And we're very excited about uh, some potential opportunities in China. And, you know, I think if we're able to to make some meaningful progress on removing these non-tariff trade barriers, specifically with hormones and beta agonists, these are FDA-approved technologies that are commonly used in U.S. beef production. Uh, there's Right now, China doesn't really have a scientific leg to stand on. They don't have a, a legitimate reason to keep our products out. So if we're able to lift those restrictions and a couple of the, the other uh, restrictions China currently has on U.S. beef, that could be a $4 billion market for us. That's, that's a tremendous opportunity. And keep in mind, you know, that $4 billion uh, uh, prediction that was made was before the outbreak of African swine fever. So when you really take it into consideration, China could be even bigger than $4 billion. But we're never going to know until we remove these barriers. So, uh, you know, we're hopeful that our negotiators, uh, as they continue to have these conversations with the Chinese, will make some big inroads and really open that market 
Yes, we need to address the tariff issues, but the non-tariff issues are just as important, if not more so. Um, I don't think this will be the last meeting. It looks like uh, they'll probably have another round of meetings here in Washington as well. Uh, we would certainly encourage that continued conversation because we really need to find a path forward so that the economies of both the United States and China that are very interdependent upon each other uh, can find a way to, to be mutually successful. Because at the end of the day, Chinese consumers want U.S. beef. They want the high-quality, safe product that we produce, and we just need to be able to get it to them. And the best way to do that is to establish, you know, rules of trade that make it uh, easier for us to sell our products directly to Chinese consumers. All right. Kent Packus, thanks for the update. Have a good weekend. Take a couple of days off. Go see the Washington Nationals win a couple of games over the Dodgers this weekend. Yeah, happy August recess. You've been listening to Beltway Beef. Until next week, eat beef. Check us out online at policy.ncba.org and check us out on Twitter at, at @beltwaybeef. Thanks for listening.